Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your host, Phil Pinsky, Bill Roots, and Tim Sway. Let's do it. <clears throat> Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 243 for July 8th. 2020. Happy 4th of July to all my American friends. Happy Canada Day. Happy Happy Canada Canada to all of my Canadian friends. Uh, My name is Phil Pinsky. With me, as always, is Tim Sway and Bill Lutz. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Kling Spore, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, Levi Hogue, I guess we're leaving Keith Decent up there, Gangi, and Pop Pop Makerspace. Getting a little sloppy there, Tim. Uh, it's not a fire drill. You gotta take drill. this seriously. Yeah. <laughs> what are we working on? Bill Lutz, the crack shot. Yeah, baby. I uh I my video came out and it came out so much better. I was so worried about it. Too much talking, and I've got so much great feedback. Um, yeah, so I put my video out about the uh, makeover for the lever action rifle. And I was very happy with it. I was you know, doing my editing and whatnot, and it just it came out good. However, that being said, and thank you, everybody, I mean, 99% positive. However, even though I, I've stated this on the podcast, even though I've said it online, even though I said it in the middle of the video, I know me doing this is going to take away some of the monetary value of this old gun. But I also know how much that's going to be. And I know that that's not what's important to me. I'm not, I'm not just going to keep it and, and sell it in a couple of years when the value goes up. That's never going to be the issue. So please excuse me if I, if I offend your sensibilities. Boy, some people lost their minds. You just ruined that guy. It's in half. The value is now cut in half and, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. But I had a, I had a couple of fun commentaries. Somebody said something to the line of, you've completely ruined it. I don't even know what to say. And so I, I responded back to this person. And I asked him specifically, in what way do you think this is ruined? I'm mm-hmm. just curious. And his response was, um, any history that this gun has had is now gone. Every white tail it took down, every bump yeah. and scratch and everything. And, and, you know, that. so to me, my opinion is, if, if you know, my gun, I want, I want to retain all of those memories. And I, I don't want to lose that. And so I responded to him. I said, you know, absolutely. I, first of all, I respect your opinion. I don't have a problem with that. It makes perfect sense. Except there is no history to this gun that's known. All we know is that somebody had this gun. The last time they shot it was in the 40s, and it was passed down to somebody else and passed down to me. There is no history. It's been sitting in a closet for 70 years or whatever it's been. So mm-hmm. you can understand how I, I would feel the same way. If this was the, if this was the rifle that Uncle Jebediah killed the... The deer, in order to feed his family during the winter of twelve or something, I, yeah, of course. But there's no history. It's just the history is now going to be made with it because I am going to take it out and shoot it. I'm going to have fun with it, and my friends are going to come over and we're going to shoot it. It's going to get passed down. The history starts from where I got it. But I you guess know, I'm there's just, um, 
it's a ridiculous argument because do you know how many times the haft and the blade of Abraham Lincoln's hatchet have been replaced? Oh, I know, I know. I know. Oh yeah, well it just like doesn't the, make any sense. What's the name of the Theseus What's the name of the ship? ship? Yeah, yeah. Theseus. Yeah, it's the paradox, right? So if you replace every board on a ship one at right. a time, is it still the same ship? I, I I get I get what some people are saying now. If if it was my rifle and I had it, and then as a surprise gift somebody took it and had it refinished or something, yeah, I'd You'd be, be upset. upset. Or again, <laughs> yeah. or again, if you if you go to an auction house and you buy an antique like antique roadshow, how many times did you see that guy? Yeah. Well, that's There's a some really s- nice plate, Mister Smith. But if you hadn't right. tried to re you know to clean it or something, yeah. it'd be worth more. I get all of that, but again, mm-hmm. it wasn't about the money it was about yeah. and i also know the value of, of that gun was less than the price of a new gun even though it's 100 years old okay. well that's you know you I, you mentioned that right in the video that the amount of the millions of them that were made that means seven million right and as soon yeah, as, as soon as you said that i was like that's not worth yeah. anything no there, there was a <laughs> few of them like the the army the army there was like 1800 of them in the early teens or something that went to the U.S. Army, and what they used those for was the supply cooks and the, the Jeep drivers, just so they had a rifle on hand. And also that they used them for Oregon when they were cutting down specific trees to build certain things for the Army, right? These guys were guarding the land over there, those soldiers. So if you find one of those, there was a bunch of Canadian, uh, the Royal uh, Canadian Mounted Police uh, got like 5,000 of those mm-hmm. in the 20s or 30s or whatever it was. And they're all serial numbered, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, it, you would know. There's a certain stamp on it, but other than that, there's just a bunch of them that are made. And now it's, know, got, it's got some. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just gonna say that in the in the music world, there's the similar thing happens with instruments with guitars, you know. And one of my favorite stories is uh, Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, this is you know 100 years ago. He started gigging with a new. He got a new bass, and it was a vintage Fender bass, and they're worth thousands of dollars. You know, like I have one right over there, and. And people right. get very protective of them, kind of like your rifle. It's one of those things in this circle where it's like, oh, well, that's the Holy Grail. And they're sure right, there are right, millions, exactly. millions of them, but whatever, you don't do that. And so he goes out, and one day he's got all these bumper stickers all over it. And everybody freaks out, like, he just ruined that base. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he didn't. Now you know it's Flea's base. It's worth twice as much. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's all perspective, you know? But. It's it's fun. I mean, you got to respect the traditions that people love, and they, they want to keep things. Change is hard. I, I do my fair share uh, fair share of getting off my lawn yelling, you know. Um, but no, it was good. I, the video was pretty cool. It was twenty five minutes. Uh, it's the longest video I've ever made, and I I thought nobody would like it, and everybody that watched it for the most part has really liked it. So I was I was happy how it came out. It was my favorite video you've done, and huh. it was the longest one. Yeah, it it surprisingly kept my short attention span. Like yeah. you know, like I saw the, the thing. I saw the twenty five minute mark on. It's like oh, I was like, I don't have time to watch it now. And so I waited until I knew I had time and I actually <laughs> put it up on the TV. You know, and watched it on the TV. I just laid on the couch and enjoyed it. Yeah. So well, I really thank liked you it. both. It was fun. I liked how much you cared about it, and also. Yeah. Up until a certain point in the video, you seemed very confident, like you knew exactly what you were doing. <laughs> and then you go, and then and then you said, "I have no idea what I'm doing." And then and then all of a sudden, I could tell that you didn't. But before that, you looked like a master gunsmith to me. Taking it apart is not as big a deal as putting it back together. I can tell you <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that right. was the point. It was, <laughs> maybe that yeah, was, was the cutoff. <laughs> it was interesting too, watching that, watching the because I, guns are interesting. Like all the little movies, yeah. I mean, they're they're so simple yet so stuff. complex and so precise. And you think it's, about it's, the way it's being made on. 
pre-electrical machines and you know it's cool yeah I, i've taken apart i have another lever action rifle it's a it's a very recent one it's only a few years old and it's very cool and i take it apart all the time to clean it it's a much more uh, simple design they've 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 kind of simplified it you know same thing but it's more simple mm-hmm. it's, it's much easier so when i got into this and I watched a bunch of videos. I'm like, how many parts? And I'm looking at this. Okay, now you take out this pin, take out that pin, take out that screw, take this, and it's a little bit. I'm just going, when does this end? There's more pins and screws in this thing than, and uh, so finally, and then you have this display of all this stuff. And I'm like, and I'm staring at each individual screw. And luckily, there's enough differences in all these little parts. I'm like, okay, wait, that's not this. Okay, I know where that goes. I know. All yeah. right, okay, okay. But yeah, it was nerve wracking. Because I'm like, I if bet. I do something. I do something wrong. It's just yeah, I, saw, I, I saw you throwing them all into that bowl, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's an easy way to yeah." I, have like some I, extra parts here. This could be the tool tip, but I'm sure you guys both know this. But you use an egg carton, and that way you can keep them mm-hmm. together in uh, in each uh, egg, you know, holder. That's one of the like I learned that trick messing around with taking my laptop apart because it's the same thing. It's like all these like million yes. little screws, and they're different. Yeah. But then when you start yeah. doing it, like they just do start to make sense, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then that egg carton, tr- I was just thinking, uh, God, I think we learned that in third or fourth grade. We used to separate, like, crayons or something, and I forgot what it was, but that was, mm, I remember using bump. that in school as a little kid. That's 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 fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is a that's good tip, what I did. I, but I have a parts organizer that I use. Yeah. I have, I have yeah, so uh, so an egg carton. video, I've got a tip I'll share this week if we have, have any. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's get there when we get there. Yeah. Tim, yeah. what's the rush? What's your what, rush? Bill? Uh, yeah, where where are you running to? We we have purchased your time for I, the I didn't next mean uh, that hour. Now. Our, I just no, said later in the segment. Have. Later in the segment, I have a tip. If you guys don't, that's all. That's I, oh, I, I see, I see. Okay, I don't okay. Push oh, you're trying to be helpful, you guys. I love right. you guys. I don't want you to ever feel uncomfortable around me. Oh, too late. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, what's the last four and a half years <laughs> been all about then? <laughs> um, Tim, you're up. Uh, let's see, my, I haven't been able to work on my truck for a few days because I brought it to my buddy Eric's, uh, shop to have him do, like, a, a once-over on it and a safety inspection and stuff. Um, but, uh, and he's gonna try and film that, like, with his iPhone and stuff, so I'll get some video content. I thought that might be interesting to have a mechanics, a mechanics view of it, you know what I mean? Especially without me there, like, because he's not gonna be, it's just gonna be, like, what he's looking at and doing. Um... And so if you hear oops and uh oh a lot. Right. Be nervous. <laughs> um, mm. And we, you, I think it was last week or the week before we were talking about, I was talking about the solar panels I was going to order. I ended up not getting the ones from Harbor Freight. Um, I went with a, a Canadian company. I bought them off online. It's Renology or something like that they're called. Renology, something like that. And they. Oh, yes, Renology. Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but the, they're Canadian. Don't you know them? Yeah, they run but, off of maple. Don't you know Mike from Canada? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a better fit. Uh, they're a little more expensive. But, you know, I was kind of doing my, and I've said it uh, probably a thousand times on this podcast, is like when you're shopping for something, buy the one in the middle, right? Cheap one's going to let you down. The expensive one's not worth it. So that's what I did. Right. So they're they're on their way, and I'll put those in when I have the truck. But what I've been up to with the absence of my truck, besides putting around some, you know, projects and guitars and stuff, is um, I've been moving and cleaning around in my barn a little bit because I'm, I finally got one of the guys out of one of the bays. Um, and that's a bay that I'm planning on sub is about 660 square feet. Uh, and so that's, that's locked up and I have the key now. Um, and that's going to probably get subletted to my buddy, um, from urban miners, uh, my buddy Joe. Oh, right. 
So I'm trying to just keep that empty. And then the and then the other bay, which is bigger, it's probably more like a thousand or twelve hundred square feet, um, with the staircase that goes upstairs and stuff. The one guy that has the bees and stuff on the property, um, he still has like a lawn tractor in there and some beekeeping stuff and a refrigerator. So I just pushed all that to one side and I started moving all my inventory over there because that's going to be like the inventory bay. Of, or, you know, like the, the, I always call it like the box store of junk is kind of the plan eventually. So right now I can't really do the full organization that I want to do, but I want to have it set up like a box store. Like here's the hardware aisle, here's the, the holocordor aisle, you know, like I want oh, to I have like it. that. That's the, that's the plan. Bin locations. Right. But I won't be able to really get that organized until I get him completely out and I can actually outfit it with shelves and stuff. But so now what that meant is that the bay that I've been using for storage that also has tool spillover in it is going to become workshop space and also I think maybe inventory like completed inventory type stuff you know um you know, maybe I'll do some wood storage there because now it's like getting to be a really long walk to get to where my stuff is so but anyway so that bay um can we, what I'm doing, can we pause right there yeah just, yes, I was really gonna say walk. yeah the, the long the, walk how, how, so what are we talking should, about here I should measure the building because it's uh I mean it's it's five garage doors but there's room like if it was spaced out different there's probably seven or eight could probably fit there so it's almost like an eight eight garage bay length so i don't know what that is in feet wow. figure each one of those bays is each one of the doors is like eight feet plus you know it add two ten so to 80 so, so 100 feet long yeah so 100 feet that's technically 33 yards um yeah. which is you know a third of a football field so yeah you're you're being inconvenienced now with by a third of uh, a football field, yeah. By a third of a football yeah. field of space <laughs> that you want to get to, but it's too far away, so. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, know. that's that's a toughie, I, yeah. I want more space, but I don't want to have to walk through it. <laughs> so so the moving floor is going in next week. <laughs> yeah. America. <laughs> There's an old airport. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to res- upcycle some of those uh, walking escalator. What are those, what are those things called? Uh, they're, uh, I think they're called. The moving floor. Mm-hmm. No, there's a name. It's not escalator. There's a name. It's, um, no, yeah. Moving floor. It's Real moving, name. It's called the moving floor. That sounds stupid. I don't. Can't be right. Here, Let me just okay. check. Real name. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Moving floor. They're saying moving floor, nah, and it's on Wikipedia, but I don't trust that. It doesn't seem right. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, uh, so, so I'm taking that that old storage bay that's now being turned into workshop space. It's not heated and it doesn't have much electrical in it, but I I can run extension cords. There are two outlets in there. Um, but so I'm gonna make that like my metal shop basically because I don't really use mm. that stuff all that often. So I can kind of spread it out and have a nice little metal shop if I need it. Uh, my Maslow CNC is over there, you know, so that'll stay over there. So that's freeing up. You know, now my my main shop is gonna get freed up for a little bit of space. Um, so I'm kind of just like, I've been doing a lot of that, just sort of cleaning and organizing, and I'm still like sort of not doing it the way I fully want to do it, but I'm also trying to not, I mean, it'd be so much easier to just go spend a couple hundred bucks on, on plywood and, and two by fours and just build, build it out. But I'm just using all the stuff that I have, of course, you know, for now. But, uh, yeah, so that's been nice to kind of, kind of dig out and clean a little bit. And, uh, it's and it's, actually, it's a lot of Reclaim. work. What you're doing, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, we're teaching you about it's hot. space. It's, it's, but it's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah. It's it is. It's a lot of it thinking and organizing your self-doubt all the time. Because, mm-hmm. like, well, if I do this, and then you start 
make it because as soon as you start putting things in one spot, you're kind of committed. Now I don't want to go through all the work of moving that because I, you know, what it would be better over here and blah blah. It's yeah. So I don't I don't so, envy you too much. No, but, and I'm, I find it to I'm, be the most fun work though. Eh, it, well, it I is. What the end result is. Yeah, when you start getting when you're when you're you know round and third headed for home, man, and you've got your, things are looking good. It's organized about where you want it. You've got the last three piles of trash you can scoop yeah. up in the back yeah. of the truck to haul but there, off. That feels there are amazing. The, there are the days where you have to like kind of suck your gut in to get between two things, and then you still can't reach. You have to move four <laughs> things to get to one. Those are the days right. that aren't that much fun. Yeah. Um, but so one of my my favorite parts of this is that so for about five like five years ago, one of the, the people that uses the property, um, they used to do bank bank cleanouts like foreclosed homes and they would clean out yards and and they mm-hmm. basically a bank would give them a pay them to take stuff to the dump and uh, and they yeah. could keep whatever they wanted you know um and so uh one day they came home with <laughs> or back to the shop with the scaffolding and if you've ever watched any of my videos that take place outside you see it in the background all the time so it's a horrible rusty it, yeah. yeah it's like it's a two two and a half story scaffolding Tower so of terror. Yeah. they they set it up like seriously like five years ago to see if it had all the parts and it, they're like yeah it needs new boards but all the metals there and it all went together and they're like oh this is great we got this nice scaffolding and then they just never touched it again it just sat there they would put empty, <laughs> it, it would like empty buckets would end up on it with like collecting water and mosquitoes and like dead car batteries would get put on it like just it's just been an eyesore for five years and it's just driven me bananas for five years are like, they gone now or no uh well so the one guy there's Nobody really knows which of the two guys. Like, I never really knew, but the one guy kind of just finally took ownership of it because they're always like, it was like a partnership and they're related. And so the one guy saw some stuff there, which I'm okay with his tractor and stuff, whatever. I can deal with that. But I got the other guy out. He just had a bunch of junk. He'd been storing and he wasn't even paying rent, just been leaving it there, you know. Um, so he was, you know, we rented a dumpster for him, you know, to help him get out. And uh, and he came back and he did it and he cleaned up and he did a good job and but the, there's the scaffolding still sitting there I'm like hey is that whose scaffolding is this and, you know I was like I was like listen I was like this thing's really got to go I'm trying not to be like a jerk but I've definitely vented right. on my landlord a few times about this thing and I, you know I'm trying not to be a jerk I'm like hey you know like can we can we take this down like I'll help you right now like I, all the weeds are growing around it we want I want to I got to clean this whole barn up we're trying to fix this place up like this is you know my business is expanding here like this isn't good for business you know and he's like okay he's like let me. Let me take some pictures of it. I'm gonna put it up on Craigslist. I'll get. I'll sell it. I'll sell it this weekend, guaranteed. You know. I'm like, okay. So this is like Friday afternoon, and I'm like, if it's still there Monday, it's not gonna be there Tuesday. Is you know what I'm telling myself. And so sure enough, it's still there Monday, untouched. And um, and so I text them. I'm like, hey, did it sell on Craigslist, or can I throw this thing in the dumpster? You know. And obviously, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it and get scrap money for it, but you know. Right, right, right. Uh, but I'm telling him now. Like, he doesn't need to know that. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't need to know that. So you know, he's like. Um, He's like, he's like, that's that's fine. Go ahead, you know. And uh, and I tell him, like, I went up with on a ladder, and I was like trying to take it apart, and I couldn't get it apart. Really, it's not really safe to stand on because the boards are no good. So I just I just wrote back. I'm like, you know, like, because first I was telling him like I would take it down and like save it, you know. But then I was oh, like, oh, you mm-hmm. pull it down and then you just cut it up, right? Yeah. So th- then I was like, you know what? And so I text him I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna knock it over and cut it up. You cool with that, right? I'm like, if not, you need to get over here and, and get it out today. You know, and he's like, go ahead, because he doesn't want to come back, you know. So I, yeah. I, actually, I set the camera up, and I pushed it over, which was exciting as hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially because there was that power line there. I was like, I don't think it's going to hit the power line, you know. But, um, <laughs> you know, because when it goes up on two wheels, it got a little taller, you know. But um, Hey, what's a big metal structure touching a power line? That's no big deal. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I had shoes on. NBD. I'd be fine. Yeah. But, yeah. but right. so I, I pushed the thing over. 
it, it hits the ground, and now that it's on its side, it came right apart, no problem. So I saved it. <laughs> How much did you get in scrap for that? I saved it, because it's good scaffolding. <laughs> oh my god, you just fell into the trap! So here's what I did. <laughs> because I can't, I can't set up the, sh the storage bay the way I want, I put together just the bottom half of it, which is like seven feet tall, I put the X-frame of it back together, and um, and I've, I'm using it as lumber storage because it's on these big heavy caches so I can move oh, it yeah. around in the storage bay. I've got lumber all on it right now, and then the other halves are just stacked up against the wall. They take up no space at all. And I might even just, because then I'm like, maybe I'll just weld some pipes onto this thing and just make it all lumber storage. I'll like add additional ladder pipes to it and stuff. Just do something yeah. with it because I promise you, yeah. if you've never needed scaffolding before, you're not going to need it now. Well, I, if you and can I do have a one to repurpose it, that's fine. Right, I do have a yeah. one-story scaffolding, like a like a painter would have inside a house. You know, those like bread rack kind of. Yeah, things. that's that's yeah. that's yeah. No, yeah, you don't need that big monstrosity. But but lumber storage that would work. Like you said, that's big what I think because it's about seven feet long, so eight foot yeah. boards go across between the two posts, and then there's like the ladder section of it where there's like three pipes. But I could just weld more pipes you, across. It's just any old random steel scrap, just couple you know that's i use phil's welder thing to teach vance how to do some welding mm -hmm. on too that that's a really good idea i could have him weld it yeah and because uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like and uh and just have more more bars to put wood on you know yeah and i and i have the other two pieces so now i have a whole other story that's about the same size that doesn't have wheels though that would be more permanent you know but i could make that's the one you take wheels. to the that's the one you take to the scrapyard Trust right me. and then there's and then there's another half story above that and those might just end up at the scrapyard but we'll see pay for the whole venture yeah uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably... Cut those things up and use them 30, to beef bucks. out whatever the bottom section is. And then whatever's left over, get rid of it, man. Don't store it. If you store it, Tim, you, you'll fall, I like know. Phil said, you're going to fall right into that trap. Yeah, I know. But it's good That's... scaffolding. Unless you I know, I know. who uses scaffolding, it's useless. Yeah, five years of complaining about it, I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I came right apart. Do you I remember that? This. Tim, do you remember that Simpsons episode with the trampoline? Oh, Wait. refresh me. He gets a free Homer gets a free trampoline yeah. on from the classifieds out of the paper or whatever, right? And then, um, then all these kids get hurt from yeah. Oh, yeah, jumping yeah, yeah. on the trampoline. Yeah. So he goes to give back the free trampoline to Krusty the Clown, and he pulls up with the trampoline on his on his roof, and Krusty pulls out a shotgun. He goes, "You just keep on driving, fella." <laughs> <laughs> it's like the trampoline that. Just keeps getting passed around, and nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah. It's the scaffolding. It is. It is. It's stupid scaffolding. But uh, yeah, so I own a, I own some scaffolding now. If anybody's locally needs bragging. to borrow it, it's got four thousand pounds of wood on it. You got to take the wood off first. <laughs> oh yeah. So one of the things that was in the, the guy's bay that he's cleaning it out years and years ago, he bought some barn wood. It was at white oak. Some nice stuff from the eighteen hundreds, like you oh, know, wow. inch and a half, two inches thick, um, for some stuff he was doing around his house. Um, yeah, it was like the pose, and he had these two really cool um, horse barn doors uh, and stuff. So he took those horse barn doors home, but then he's, he was trying to sell me this stuff like five years ago um, because he had some leftover from whatever he did. And he was trying to sell me, like, you know, either at a profit or at least what he spent on it, you know. And I just wasn't interested. I had no, you know, I was like, I got, I got tons of old wood. I don't need that. Um, but so now when he's cleaning out the barn and handing me over the keys, and he's got like eight or ten of these boards, he asked me if I had any interest in them again. And I'm like, I'm like, well, don't throw them in the dumpster. I mean, that's good. He's like, oh no, no. He's like, I gotta, I gotta sell them. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm not, I'm not interested in buying them. I got enough, I got enough stuff. He's like, he's like, I just want twenty bucks for them. I was like, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, so he sold <laughs> me like ten, eight foot long by eight to ten inch wide by almost two inch thick white oak boards for twenty bucks. 
I hate you. It's official. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, th- this stuff is heavy. I mean, it's like it was yeah. like I was kind of I was kind of a little unhappy about it after I had to move it all. <laughs> but, yeah, but, boo-hoo. Yeah. So I put it on the scaffolding and wheeled it in. <laughs> <laughs> We call that in comedy a callback. It's a callback, yeah. That was the, that was the yeah. first thing I was like, I was like, this will fit on the scaffolding because it was all at the same time. It was his <laughs> scaffolding and his wood, and I was like, finally I got all uh, this garbage out, and then I had these these leftovers, you know. Meanwhile, but, uh, he had nothing but gold in there. Gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> all right, Phil. How about you? What have you been up to? Ovaltine. The count is the can is round. Um, so I don't know if you guys can see behind here, but I saw something. I, uh, yeah. So I. What's that? It looks like a spaghetti dryer. Yep, that's what it is. It's a spaghetti dryer for all the spaghetti I dry. No. Oh, yeah, that was completely out. I was talking about that. Whatever's on your chair back there looks like spaghetti. We can't see that camera at all. Oh, that's a blanket. Um, So, I I recently, maybe not recently, I guess about six weeks ago, I ordered for one of my favorite Chinese websites called banggood.com. And I ordered a, um, a a light that slots into the camera shoe, and I also ordered a shotgun mic, which also slides into the shoe or the hot yep. shoe of the camera. And as anyone who is uh, somewhat versed in this knows that r- you can only put in one accessory at a time into the hot shoe of the camera. So in this case, I'd only be able to put in either the light or the camera, and that, that doesn't really make any sense. So I built, and I posted a picture of it on Instagram, um, I built a, basically a bar that that slots into the hot shoe and then I drilled some holes and then used some quarter 20 uh, bolts to secure the light and the microphone. And for all camera accessories like that, including tripods and blah, 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 anyways, they all use quarter 20 bolts, so just know that. Um, and I could have used my welder if I had it. Cause <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, no, it is, it is a shame. Is it going to be uh, a delay? There's some scaffold uh, work that needs to be done. He's going to need that welder. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Also, every Canadian seems to be voting to keep the border closed, but I'll get there one day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So what I figured to, because I needed some kind of an adapter to slot into the hot shoe so that I could, you know, mount everything to that. So initially I took a hacksaw out and I cut up a thin little plate or whatever it is, three quarters of an inch by three quarters of an inch would slot in there. And then I JB welded a, um, a, a bolt, a small bolt to that. And yep. I've discovered that JB weld sucks. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't, it's got the word weld in there, but that's yeah, it's not, not true. It's not what you want it to do. It's just, it's, it's everything you think it would be for. It's really not. It's not. Think of it as Bondo. No. It's a really, really good Bondo. So it's more of a filler. Yes and no. It's just it's not it's not it's not the epoxy that you want it to be. That's what I'm trying to tell you. In well, fact, so you'd probably inf- be better off with five five yeah. minute fast quick set five epoxy. epoxy. Yeah. Maybe that's what I should. Anyways, I actually found figured. Uh, I I'm lying. I didn't figure it out. I watched a YouTube video and they spoon fed me an answer. So rather than a little tiny plate and a bolt and some way to secure those two things so that I could slip it through the bar and then tighten down. Um, one genius on YouTube figured out that you could just use a T-nut and then just sort of snip off the little uh, sharp, you know, 
points that would normally secure a T-Nut into wood. You'll need that now. And then I just used my belt sander to, uh, to shape it so that it's a little bit more square. It slots in perfectly, goes through the bar, and then, a, and then a bolt tightens down on that and it works fantastically well. The only improvement I'm gonna make is the light and the microphone have those their own little, you know, s slots like that. Those little square, um, I, I guess they're little square, I don't know, tiny little plates, three by three quarter by three quarter. So what? Instead of having the bolts go through the bar, I'm just gonna cut slots into the bar where those can slide in and they get tight against, because they're a little too tall and wonky right now. Mm -hmm. Wobbly is the official term. War yeah, mm. they they are a little wobbly, um, and I think. And I think being able to remove them more easily would be would be better. Uh, anyways, I'm gonna try that out. But uh, long story short, uh, it was fun. It was fun little fun little project. Um, I, I didn't make a video of it because I really didn't know what I was doing. This is a prototype more than anything, and I used up more of that that bar stock that I got oh. from uh, we lost from that it. box. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't lose me. Um, so basically, yeah. what you're saying is now that when you're when you're facing the camera, the microphone, the light, and the camera are all facing you. Yeah, and no matter where I go, that's what it is. It's like a really good vlogging setup uh, because okay. that's kind of what I do for these LinkedIn videos that I do. Right, right. Um, but it's also good for um, it's also good for my project videos. Maybe not the light so much because in the garage you kind of get lost. But, uh, but the shotgun mic, instead of having to use a lavalier mic, and I don't even use a lavalier mic, what I use is my cell phone, the voice memo app, and a, uh, and a little mic that Such I clip to my shirt. <laughs> Such a pain in the neck to do that. Because then you've got to sync up the audio yeah. and all that stuff. This, at least, yeah. it's, on, it's on the camera. It's recorded. I don't have to worry it's about weird. doing that. My little chintzy camera, the microphone on it, is really good. I've never... Had an issue with just using the microphone that's on there. I, I, I'm not in a big space. I, that might have something to do with it. I, I recently switched to a Rode uh, mic on top instead of using that little mic camera, and it's a little bit better. But it's like, yeah, if you have a halfway decent camera, the condenser mics have come a long way. And if you're just talking, but what, right. the reason I got the Rode mic is um, is for you know for playing instruments and stuff into it, like because the little mic is bad for that. But uh, yeah. right. but now but then sometimes I t I have a little recorder that I'll use too and I do the whole syncing up thing, which is just a huge pain yeah. in the neck. You know. Tell me tell me again what you're using for uh, your video editing, Tim. Software. Yeah. I just use iMovie, but um, if I want to sync audio, I do that in what is it called uh, Logic. That's what I used to do our podcast. Okay. So like just today I did okay. it. I just put a video out on my other channel of a demoing a bass guitar I made that I'd never put a demo out. You know, because I just do those so I can have that link in the listing. You know, I put those okay. on a separate channel. And so for that I have I have this little pocket recorder. It's like a, I actually want it from Instructables. Um, Zoom. Yeah, whatever they're called. They're like the little. I, I don't have it here. I brought it upstairs. But um, yeah, looks, the two microphones look like they're crossed against right, each other. They face each other. Yeah, yeah, it's the Zoom. Yeah, it records yeah. onto an SD card. My drummer used to bring one to gigs all the time. They sound pretty good. They're really uh, good. Yeah, you can plug in your own mics into them too, and you can get a pretty decent stereo recording. Um, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like people that record shows buy them and stuff. But so I bring that into the my workshop, and I put that down next to my camera or whatever, and and then I sync that in Logic because I can import the video into Logic and see it there, and I can sync the sound there okay. easier, and then export it, and then bring it into iMovie. So, because I, I okay. have I spend money on audio software over the years, but I never spend any money on video, you know. Right. And, and Bill, you're using iMovie as well, right? Yes. Okay. 
Okay, survey complete. I, I um, you let's know what, move Phil? on. I, I downloaded something for the PC. It was a free one, and I just haven't used it yet. It was, it was getting good Resolve? reviews. Yes. Yeah. Have yeah, you tried it's, that? It's getting incredible reviews. A lot of people... Um, I'm pretty much a diehard Adobe Premiere Pro guy, hmm. but uh, a lot of people are moving away from Adobe Premiere to go to Resolve. Resolve was traditionally used. It's called DaVinci Resolve. It's traditionally used for color grading only. Yes. Like and that's what start, like movies yeah. use for their color grading. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what color grading is, it's basically making all of the colors uniform throughout all of your footage. And sometimes you can get very artistic with it, and uh, and you know and stylistic with it. So if you wanted like two colors for your movie to be in like teal and orange. Right for like a music video or something. That's the way you would uniformly affect the color in your video. Or like when you see uh, those black and white videos where just the one balloon is red. You know, like that kind of right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's done with layers. But yes, uh, that's you would do it like that. And um, and and but no, recently it's gotten extremely good for video editing as well. It's a totally different paradigm. It's got all these nodes that you work with. Anyway, which is, it's which kind is of why I haven't gotten into it yet because <laughs> it's, it's a, a bit of a steep learning it. curve yeah yeah so it's free but there's a learning curve there um but it's supposed to be fantastic and there's a lot of youtubers that i see who are in the video editing space and they've made videos like why i've switched from adobe premiere to davinci resolve yeah. so it's certainly very capable once you get beyond the learning curve you know, it's just the, like the videos that I'm making, they're not, it's not about, I don't do like what Paul Jackman's doing. I don't do like video editing stuff. It's more about just storytelling and compiling. So I never really got too right. into that, you know? So it's just like, ah, just keep using the free stuff. Like, <laughs> you right. know? But, do, if, it, if it ain't broke. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't. Like, then you I, didn't torque on it hard enough. Right. Exactly. You need a bigger screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I just like as I improve my product, it's not that's not the area I'm concerned about improving it. And I'm more concerned about everything before production, you know, like. Right. Yeah. OK. So you're storyboarding now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been storyboarding for a while. I mean, not not no, physically. You haven't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not physically like on a uh, but I do it in my head before I. OK. Right. Know. Yeah. No, I have that, too. It's called an idea. Um, <laughs> that's not anything like waterboarding, right? No. Nope. Uh, now we're. I mean, no. no. Okay. No. Plastic chaining. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about flirting with disaster. Bill, this is your topic, so I'll talk about it. Just kidding. Go ahead. No. Um. So, w what are some of the things that we do as makers, specifically how we use our tools? Maybe that we're not supposed to, right? Or it's, it's not that you're not supposed to, but it's like a circumstance doesn't lend itself to being maybe as perfectly safe as you should be. What do we do to combat that? You know, if, 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 I, gotta, if, I, gotta, if I gotta cut a piece of sheet, uh, sheet goods on my table saw, this, here's an example. Um, I didn't break down a piece of plywood. I should have, maybe, but I didn't. So I wanna cut it on my table saw and I don't have enough space on the table saw to, to, for my fence to get it to where I want to cut it. So what did I do? I butted my table saw up against my, my bench on the side of the garage. I remember I that. straight yeah. edge along the bench, and <laughs> I created a, a temporary fence. may not be the mm -hmm. safest thing in the world, but it allowed me to make this huge cut, this you know, piece of sheet goat on my, on my small little, you know, my little uh, uh, rigid table saw. So maybe not the smartest thing in the world to do, but what can we do to, to 
because you certainly don't want to just. And I've also done where you you hold you kind of balance the sheet good on your table, so I'm pushing yeah, and draw the strength down. you can to hold it before it flips over and you know things yeah. like that. So what have you guys done, for example, things like that, and or what kind of things have you done that just wasn't the smartest thing to do to get the result you want, not <laughs> safety wise. But it's like, you know, I really should have done this because this is what happened type of thing. So flirting with disaster. You kind of know. Maybe you shouldn't. You know. But, all right, we're going to do what we can. And go. So, well, I'll answer this one. But when you initially uh, brought up this topic, you know, months and months ago, as we do, you know, research to prepare for (laughs) each show. Was he storyboarded uh, the season? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we of course we started. Yeah, I mean, we were we we were locked in the writers' room, and yeah. we we really we hashed this one out. Um, I was thinking, kind of like once you get to a certain place in your making ability and your making confidence, you sometimes take risk that a beginner would look at and go, "Holy moly, how is this guy doing that?" You know, um, and I really sort of that saw that was the tack of it, but I guess it's kind of just the other side of the coin, right? Like acceptable risk. Um, well, and something that, that I did that, one time. That too, though. That too. Right. Yeah. I guess it's all part of the same thing. Um, but one time, and I think I have this on video even. I think maybe it was that video where I got the CNC from Tim. Anyways, I needed to cut down some legs on a table. So um, by a good, I think, five inches or so that I had to take off the bottom of the legs. And I literally just ran it through the table saw and just kept flipping it over and riding I don't know. I, I thought it was crazy. I should have obviously done it differently, but um, yeah, it was a quite the balancing act. That doesn't seem so crazy now that I say it, to be honest with you. Well, I thought okay, it was going to be more controversial. But what are some of the things? You, I mean, you didn't just run it through the table. So what did you did, knowing that this was going to be kind of crazy? Did you do anything to try and mitigate some of that craziness? I would. I what I always do is put a, as much pressure as I possibly can downward okay. and also against the fence. Okay. So like worst case scenario. Maybe the saw catches something on the table leg and blows it out. Okay. So what? It's just going to blow away, but it won't. It won't change the direction of push that I'm. I'm putting there. I'm putting all 150 pounds against that. Uh, you know that fence and that table surface. You gotta be. You gotta be a little careful pushing down though, because if you're pushing down really hard and something slips or gives, you're down. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. where the blade is. Yeah. It's down. So you don't. Nine, yeah. nine, well, no one. I was already pretty far away from. It. I was like right. thirty inches to the right of the blade. Yeah. I just remember I had a I had a push stick snap on me once, yeah. and uh, oh, wow. I was I wasn't in any any kind of a dangerous position, but it was like one I had okay. made out of wood and it was pretty well worn and it just kind of cracked on me and I was like, oh, if I was really pushing down with that over a blade, right? You know that would have brought my hand right in. Yeah, so. that's that's right. where gravity is not your friend, and I think ninety yeah. percent of the time, uh, table saw accidents are that people that are a little shorter. Are leaning way over when you shouldn't be. Right. If, if if you should be able to at any point when you're pushing something through a table saw to just lift your hands up and not fall over. You know what I mean? If you lift yeah, your yeah, hands up sure. yeah. and you fall forward, you're 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 screwed. Don't depend on what you're trying to cut to hold yeah, you up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I see what's going on here. I see what's going on here. This is an intervention. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool guys. Cool guys. Nothing better than an ambush on a Monday night. Thanks very much. Yeah, well, you just and made us nervous here, you know. That's what we yeah, do. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, I take it as a sign of love. Tim, what have you done that was insane? <laughs> uh, I remember, like, years and years ago, I, when I made my water ski base, um, I didn't really 
think, and it didn't really feel that scary or dangerous when I did it, but then someone commented, um, I think it was Scott Hahn that commented on it. Um, and I was, uh, like the headstock of it where the tuning pegs go, there's a slight angle to it, it's like 15 or 20 degree angle. And, you know, it's a water ski, so everything's kind of weird. But I basically roughed out the shape of the instrument, but I wanted to put that 40-degree angle. I didn't want to do it by hand. So I just went over my table saw, and I just freehanded it, you know? Just held mm. the instrument, and my hands were nowhere near the blade. I was back two feet, you know what I mean? Like, just holding because the instrument's four feet long, you know? And I just freehanded it on the, the thing, and it was Scott. I'm pretty sure that was just like... Like, like, just wrote, like, I think it might even been all caps, like, freehand cutting on a table saw. You and the rest are, like, the only two people crazy enough to do that or whatever. And I was like, it didn't seem that crazy. And I started thinking back. I was like, yeah, you're probably not supposed to do that. Huh? Yeah. I feel like Izzy would do that, too. Yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. I feel like it's, that's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so again, what do you do? What, what, what are you not doing, right? Number one, like you, uh, you said in your video, you talked about this, your latest video, Tim. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. not in a yeah. position to where if kickback happens... It's coming at you. Try and step right. to one side or the over. The yeah. balancing. You don't want to be putting your weight forward on anything you're cutting. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I've many I, times I felt taken, like it was almost like I was using a, like an electric pencil sharpener, basically. You know, it's, I'm standing behind it and I'm pushing right. into the pencil sharpener. <clears throat> and it's, the pencil's four feet long. You know what I mean? I'm just like nowhere near the sharpener. I was like, I could screw up my yeah. work, sure, but I didn't see any real major risk for myself. But you're definitely not supposed to do that. So don't do that at all. No, yeah. So, I, so we should have given that liability yeah. thing at the beginning. Yeah. Well, I, I've got one on the table saw so I'll share, and then uh, um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Scott Turner challenged me to make something out of a giant um, uh, industrial light, like for yep. inside of a, a warehouse. So I had this, and this is a big aluminum light fixture, and I wanted to cut that basically in half and where. There was no way to do that because it was like, from a from a profile, it's all curved. It's it's going like this. So I'm like, well, if I raise my table saw blade up a little bit and I just kind of freehand it and kind of sit it there and twist that light fixture because it's a very thin aluminum, it'll cut right through it. And it did, and it's on the video. Um, yeah. But yeah, apparently people weren't very happy with me about that. But what I did, <laughs> that, I I actually leaned down all the way. Don't to show it just, online. <laughs> yeah. Um, I leaned down so I was barely looking over the the table saw, and I'm off to us. I'm off to the edge, right? So I mean, I basically, if anything happened, I'm just ducking and letting go, and I'm completely safe. Um, having the blade just high enough to do what I needed to do, which wasn't very high, is, is another good mm. thing. You know, so I mean, there's things, crazy things we do that we shouldn't, that we do, and because I've been doing it for a long time. It doesn't. Anybody that wants to say there's that's no excuse or setting a bad example, all of that, okay, I agree with you. I'm still going to do it, and I would advise you to never, never, never do anything you feel is unsafe. That's the you know you're your own. Yeah, safety like if mechanism. you feel if you feel that you need to get into a foxhole to do a maneuver on a table saw, <laughs> you probably should. You probably should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But. But I, I also think that Bill has more experience and skill on that machine in his pinky than I'll have in my whole body in the next 20 years. So if he does something and he feels confident in it, I have every confidence in his ability to do that. Well, and, and there's another thing. It's not so much having skill to do a specific thing. It's knowing what the machine is going to do. If you know 
what can happen, the worst case scenario, and I say this about everything, if you hold a screwdriver and you've got something in your hand and you're pushing really hard with that screwdriver, I know if it slips, it's going to stab me in the hand. If you know that, do something about it. Everybody's got a screwdriver hole in yeah. their hand. I know it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's how you learn. Table saw, you know? <laughs> I know which direction the blade yeah. is turning. I know which way it's going to tweak something and make it fly out. I know which way it's going to pull something. Right. You just have to know these things. How does this thing work? What is the power of it? You know, it's mm. like, what can happen? There's also little table saws that I've had in the past that were so weak. I, mean, I could almost feel like I could just pinch the blade as it was running. It would stop it, you know? So it's like, know your tool. How powerful is it? What's it doing? What's it going to happen if if this goes bad? Where's it going to fly off and hit? And, you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's just knowing knowing the tool. For sure. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm still not going to do that, but fair enough. Yeah. The, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the table saw is definitely an easy place to go to, you know, to talk about, you know, but what were we going to say, Bill? Well, I was going to say, let's switch it up again. Let's get away from the safety a little bit. Flirting with disaster can always mean um, doing something. It's not that it was unsafe, but I, you know what? If I do this, it's probably not going to come out the way I want it to. I'm going to do it okay. anyway. Free oh, that's hand, every project. Freehand drilling holes through two things. That's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, like, I can I can do it straight. Like I, you know, I don't know how many times I've done that where I'm like, or or how about when um. You're screwing or, or brad nailing a piece of wood onto another piece of wood, and you can't like say like a like a door, and you have like a frame, not a door, but like you got a piece of wood, and there's there's a frame, and then there's a center joist, right? And you got to nail that center joist to it, and you don't measure yeah. and make a mark, so you just like eyeball it, and, and then you see the nail sticking out the wood the other side, not in the joist. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Like you know it. Like every time you're doing it, you know. And I know I've said this a million times on the podcast too. Hammers doesn't quite fit, so you grab the mallet. You know, right. every time. Yeah, yeah. The adjuster. You know. Yeah. Like, I just need a little force. Ugh. I'll tell you what my my biggest thing like that is, is that um, I always feel under the gun in the shop because my time in there is so limited. And the things I want to make, I want to I make them today. I don't want to make them tomorrow. Yeah. So if I got half an hour to be in there, I'm trying to do an hour's worth of work. Yep. And, uh, and doing that always leads to two hours worth of work because I just – you know, didn't do it right, or I fast forward on something, or I didn't let something dry long enough. Um, so, what I need to do is I need to realize that I can only do half an hour's worth of work in half an hour, and and usually even less. And fine, the project will take longer, but it'll come out right the first time. Mm. And that's that's my biggest problem. Yeah, it's it's difficult to learn that lesson. I still find myself doing that all the time. One of my Worst ones is, um, you know, I put a guitar together, level, get all the, level all the frets, get it all good, put the strings on, you're always excited, you know, start to play it, and there's like one fret that's still a little high, you know, maybe two frets, or there's like a little buzz somewhere in this and that and the other thing, and so you go in, you don't want to take all the strings off and tape it up again to fix that fret, so you start holding the strings up with your hand, kind of trying to file it, and this and that, and then, like, that's actually kind of common, because while it's under tension, you can find it, but then you have to make it look pretty, and so then you try to, like, go sanding through all the grits, like thousands of grits, you know, while without taking the strings off. And it just takes longer, and you don't do as good of a job. It only takes, like, two minutes to take the strings off. Right. And then, like, another two minutes to put them back on. But I'll sit there, and I'll, like, I'll like rig pencils up on either side of where I want to be to hold the strings up. To, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, all these stupid things I do to avoid just unwinding six strings and then winding them back up again. And every time I'm right. doing it, I'm like, 
Why don't I just take the strings off? Why don't I? Just, it'll be so much easier if I just take the strings off. It'll actually take less time if I take the strings off. But there's some like yeah. mental brain virus that won't let me do it. You know, it I'll, it'll be faster. Yeah, because so it I, seems I've like it'll a, be faster. I've got a good example, very recent that just happened, and I didn't do this thing, but I know what happened. So Casey's business partner, you know, the, the salons closed down. Casey's business partner wanted this thing built in the salon. And I'm certainly, not, I'm, I'm kind of over building things for the salon. You know, that, that <laughs> sailed. She, um, she says, uh, you know, I'm not going to chart, you know, the salon's not going to pay for it because they're not even open. I'll pay for this out of my pocket, but I want this. It's like a partition with a shelf on top. And I want some uh, shelves on the side where the color bar is. I built this like this. I took this farmhouse sink a great big sink and I built a sturdy stand for it and then I, I mounted some uh, racks on the wall where they hang their different colors and that's where they mix the color for hair well she wanted this whole thing to go around it, right and she decides she's going to pay this guy so the guy that she's going to pay is the guy that came out uh, while they were doing just the actual just a rough construction this guy climbed up on a ladder and redid the wooden sign that there was a frame around the wooden sign so basically made a giant picture frame right mm -hmm. with this skill saw and it looks great on the outside of the building oh he's qualified to build this piece of furniture i'll him i'll hire him and she paid him 2500 bucks to do this job and casey calls me up uh, a couple days ago and I, and I hope her partner doesn't listen to the podcast but I hope casey she does. calls me up Tell and says, you're not going to believe this thing I'm coming home right now, but you're going with me. You have to see this thing. It looks awful. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, okay, well, how bad can it be? Maybe because it doesn't match the work that I've done or something. So I get there, and no, it looks like a 12-year-old and his buddy. Vance would have done a better job at this, right? So here's, here's the mistake that they made and how I want to tie it into this recipe for disaster. These guys, first of all, don't have the skill set. They're not makers. They're, they're basic carpenters. Carpenters. Construction yeah. carpenters. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is this is a piece of furniture that they're trying to build. Um, so she did have her cousin, who's an architect, actually draw up some like some Fusion 360 plans for this thing. So they had plans for this. They went to Home Depot, bought two sheets of plywood, and some shelf boards and a couple two by fours, and they came back, threw them all in the middle of the salon on the floor, and they tried to build this thing in the middle of the salon as opposed to going to anywhere else. Any shop that would uh, do you have access to a table saw, anything else? So you you can imagine they're trying to do this with a skill saw and probably a jigsaw. There's rounded corners on the shelves. There's all kinds of things that. So my my point to this is, if you're going to build something like that, everything I built for that salon, I built in my shop, or at least built it modularly so I can go finish it when I got it there. Right, because yeah. I needed the right tools for the job. The actual idea of this piece is pretty neat. The execution of making it was terrible. It's awful. The, 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 there's some shelves on one, one side that has some shelves, so they decided to round those shelves off like an old 50s kitchen, right? The one yeah. you know, on, on the ground, that little bar has that round yeah. rounded corners. Well, they must have built the thing with squares first, drew a line, a curve on it, and then tried to use a jigsaw. The jigsaw yeah. caught, it peeled up the plywood, yep. so they basically just sanded everything as much as smooth as they can. It's not even, the radius is awful. This thing looks terrible, but they did that because of bad planning. They tried to they tried to build this project in one night in the salon instead of going to a shop somewhere. 
And they're no, they're getting right. paid more than a one night job too. Oh my goodness, dude! I found oh, out how much they paid them. Yeah. The case said it was did two you, nights, but it was a total of about six hours. Right. Did you know? Did you know that she was willing to pay twenty five hundred for this? Um, I didn't know she was willing to pay that much. However, I still wouldn't have done it. It's just like I said, my I'm done. I'm done making stuff for that salon. Um, and she paid out of her own pocket, and that's fine. But I'm just like. Oh my goodness! And and again, I can see where everything went bad. As I'm looking at this, I'm like, "Yep, they screwed that up. They screwed that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that." And and it's because they didn't plan it out. You know, if you if somebody hires you to, uh, they want to. Let's say they want you to build out a, um, I don't know, maybe a dining table for their living room. Tim, how many dining tables or coffee tables have you made for clients? I uh, I don't even know. <laughs> Would you have brought the material to their living room and and, and started? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I remember I had one, I had one job where I, I did a built-in library and it had a matching desk. And I remember uh, I went to our house and I measured everything. You know how houses are; it's like sheet rock right, right, and right. trim, nothing yeah, straight, nothing square. Nothing you know, square, I mean, it's right. and like, and I wanted to not, you know, I mean, I wanted to, and I, that was the biggest part of the job was designing. Like, how can I make this in my shop so I can go in and put A, B, and C pieces against the wall? And then sit with the jigsaw and a chisel, wherever I need to do to put these pieces of trim to hide all the horrible work of the house that it doesn't fit against, right. you know. And that was that was the right. job. Like, how do I make this fit in there? And so, you know, that's. And I'm not like I, I don't, especially at the time, I'm no expert. I didn't have any, you know. I remember, and I did another one. I did a built-in. I had some shelves that went into a like a condominium complex, and I also did like a a coffee. They wanted a coffee bar. They actually had the sheetrock on three sides, and they wanted a reclaimed wood top to fit inside this. This, this, and I, I mean, I measured every inch, you know, like anywhere near where the height of where it's going to be. I measured every inch of it to make sure I could right. make yeah. this piece of wood fit in perfectly. I didn't want to have any gaps. I didn't want to trim it. They wanted that look, you know. And, um, yeah. I saw the crush of sheetrock to get it in, you know. I mean, but, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm measuring to like the 16th of an inch with a skill saw making the cut, you know, which is just not the most accurate to make it fit. But, um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a tough, hassle, man. It, it's, it's, lack of planning will will ruin your world every every single time. So yeah. that that flirting with disaster is just thinking, oh, I can just I can I can do this real quick, or I'll, the faster I do it, the more money I'll make. All of that stuff. Sometimes you got to sacrifice a little bit of dollars to get it done right. And it's, it's just I'm telling you, this piece of so furniture is just terrible. So one one other thing I have I I can talk about. Um, can I can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. I oh I always get these um you know, whenever I introduce myself or my wife introduces me to somebody new or a friend introduces me, the, the somebody'll say, Oh yeah, this guy he's very handy. He does uh, he does wood stuff in his garage. And you know, inevitably you always get that comment like, Oh, oh you do carpentry? Oh, you're a carpenter? And I'm like, No, I'm a woodworker. They're like, Well what's the difference? <laughs> like, and I think that's like people don't get that distinction, you know, that a carpenter is someone who builds big structures and usually is rough construction or you're, you're basically building the outside of a house or a house itself. Yeah. Whereas I'm just building little tchotchkes and furniture and things All like right. that where the, the, the finish and the, you know, you're spending more time on a tiny little detail than someone would spend building a whole house. And well, so I, I think the carpenters thought they could be woodworkers in your example. Exactly, and I, and I think I think maybe hundreds of years ago, carpenters were pretty much anything that you made you made with wood. You were a carpenter, whether you made the chair or the house the chair went in. Um, right. 
But now it is. It's specialized. I mean, even finished carpenters, right? You have the guy that frames the house. He's a just carpenter. the molding, yeah. Then you guy that comes in and does all the finish work, which is the molding and the framing, and I mean the, the interior molding and detail work yeah. like that. So, mm. I, and yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, but one other thing I was thinking, and Phil, you'll want to know this. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get your welder, and you start welding, you want to do it with the garage door open or out in the driveway because the fumes okay. from welding. If you are in an enclosed space, it will make you dizzy and, and silly. Now, I had a friend well, yeah, of mine he, that was his is a flux core, but it's still a I little, know, so it's gonna yeah. it's still gonna have a well, it's still gonna have a lot of nasty fumes. That flux is, it's, yeah, is, it's, is awful, yeah. but it doesn't take much. But a friend of mine, anyway, he was I was working with this guy, and he'd show up to work for about a week, and he just didn't look well. What's why he's oh man, I don't feel good. I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel good. And he was just sluggish and nasty. So I ended up uh, giving him a ride home. He's like, hey, come check this out. And he opens up the garage door. And it's like a, um, a very small, uh, like an older garage that a car wouldn't actually fit in, like a one-car garage. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he opens up the door. He's got this amazing metal sculpture thing that he's been working on inside of his garage with the door closed. And he's using stick welder, right? And I'm okay. like, dude, are you, are you building this? Uh, yeah, I got to do it at night, man. So I close the door. I don't want the neighbors to see all the flash and everything. I'm like... That's why you're sick. You're breathing yeah. in all this nasty. And, uh, and so that's flirting with disaster, thinking you could do it. Now, what, what I've been yelled at on my videos because people see me standing over something and the fumes are right in my face. I'm in my driveway. Those fumes are, are not in my face for very long. It's not an enclosed yeah. space. There's airflow. If I, even in my, my garage, I've got the front door open, the back door of my garage open. I've got airflow. You know, so mm-hmm. I understand the danger, but... Yeah, uh, make sure you're not in an enclosed space. If you watch um, uh, Chucky 2009 or whatever, you know know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. His name's Lance. Anyway, he's got this amazing fume extractor and all that because he's got an enclosed shop and he does a lot of welding, right? Well, we're not welders. I weld three times a year of that, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe more, but Mm -hmm. just just be wary of that. So, again, flirting with disaster is thinking you can bypass some of the safety or the, the, the things on a tool. Yeah, Phil, you're going to want to, just because you have a small wood shop, you're going to want to just go outside. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just easier. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, your, your welder's so small and light, it's not a big deal. But, um, yeah. Sweet. Because well, Sweet. If, if you think about it, just for people that don't weld, um, the whole thing when you're, and I'm not a, an expert, but the whole thing with welding metal is that you want to keep oxygen away from the welding because it contaminates the weld. So what the flux core does is it's like this powdery flux that's, inside the wire or around the wire depending on whether it's stick or mig or whatever that ignites and sort of turns into like a gas that protects the weld from the oxygen in the room so what you're doing is you're basically and then when you're when you're using regular mig welding you have a mix of carbon dioxide and, and argon there you know to uh, to help or just argon with other types of welding so all these are gases and the whole point of these gases is they push oxygen away so the more time you spend around those gases the less oxygen there is for you to breathe and that's the concern is that you could end up it's, asphyxiating yourself. Some of the metal too, like a, a galvanized metal, and people you oh, can't. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. Well, how do you think they put up chain link fences? There's a lot of welding that's going on on galvanized. But it's metal. A, it's outside. Yeah, it's outside. But you know, you can. Some of the metal is going to cause fumes. Some of the heat yeah, is going to burn off and, grease and stuff that's going to be nasty. You and know, burning through paint. Which I do all the time. Oh, oh yeah, stinks. bed frames. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because you don't want to grind it. It takes forever, and it's like it's baked oh. on there. So yeah, just it. again, you're flirting with disaster by by maybe not doing things. Ideally, when you weld, you're going to have a, a MIG welder, you're going to have a shop, you're going to have a, 
a fume hood and your metal is going to be clean. It's never going to have been outside. It's not going to have any rust on it. Everything's shiny and pretty. There's no grease. Yeah. You're going to wipe it down. It's going to be, oh, but, it's beautiful. But then there's the no, rest of never. us. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, never. Yeah. Never right. happens. Yeah. Never happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, okay, that was that was good. The, oh, the one last thing since we're on metal, I just wanted to make sure uh, to mention angle grinders. If you are cutting with an angle grinder, or you should have, <laughs> you should have. There's a there's a, a safety uh, guard that goes on. You're supposed to have because those blades are thin and they can break and shatter and they can kill everybody around you for a hundred miles or whatever. Um, and I constantly get get berated because I take those off when I cut all the time because. As Phil knows when he's cutting metal, as the disc gets smaller, you get it's harder and harder to cut, and then you take the guard off, and now you can cut more with the disc. You know, it's just yeah. they just they 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 cut a lot nicer. But you, you need to you, you really shouldn't do that. And if you are going to be stupid and do that, and of course we're telling you not to do that. But if you are going to be stupid and do that again, know your risk, know what you're you're potentially having one of these things come up and hit you in the face. Um, right. Keep your face. That, which way is that? Disc which way is it turning? spinning? When it breaks, right. which way is it going to fly? I'm left-handed, so it's almost always coming at me. Because uh, I hold it backwards, which is another reason I always have sparks right. coming at me, you know. Um, but so you know, that's something like when I'm cutting, I try to cut right-handed so it's spinning down instead of up, um, you know, or just like hold it so the sparks are going away from me, which means that the disc is going to go away from me. Uh, but yeah, that's something to be aware of, and just like don't be in the line of fire. Understand the physics of it, and and stay out of the the, the danger zone, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you're still gonna nice. get you're still gonna get hurt when it breaks. But it won't be as bad. Yeah. <laughs> at least we will right. have told you so, and we can make fun of you yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, but yeah. Or, or use the guard. That's what it's there for. Yeah. I mean, I use a guard. Although I did get flack for not using it at one point. Maybe it was an Instagram post or a video that I did. I was like, why'd you take the guard off? I was like, I didn't take it off. I just never put it on. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's some discs. But then I some did. tools that you put on your angle grinder. You can't use the guard. Like those very yeah. safe little mini... Um, Chainsaw blade things in the. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the super yeah. safes. Yeah. Yeah. The um. Yeah, but yeah, sometimes you don't. If you're not, if you're using it as just a flap disc or whatever, I don't know how much the guard is helping you. But no, the there's guard certain standards. Cutting. It also yeah. keeps the sparks. So even when it you use the flap right. disc on metal, you're gonna get sparks. Mm-hmm. That's why the guard's supposed to be there. I'm sorry, kids. I don't. It's the first thing I do when I get an angle grinder is I take the guard off. I just do. Call me horrible. Don't horrible. do that ever. Yeah. Just don't call me late for dinner. Yeah. I hear you, Bill. I am also horrible and late for dinner, I mean, or not late for dinner, whatever. But yeah, that's um, the I use the Arbortech tools too, and like I made videos for them, and they're like, "Hey, that video is great, but can you put a disclaimer that you're a dumbass for not using the card?" You know, <laughs> I was like, "Oh done yeah, and done." I was like, "Oh, you're supposed to use a guard with this?" <laughs> you know what's funny though? I don't, I haven't in my entire life I've never had somebody who is new to tools be the one to get hurt. It's always one of us. So it's not like you're setting a bad example. It's it's one of us that does something stupid and gets hurt because newbies are afraid of everything. So they they read the manual, they study right. it up. Well, that's that, true. And that was my point with what sparked this conversation of uh, you know the the latest video I put out where I I, I think it was like a three minute long safety like monologue which I've never oh, done. It was long. Yeah. I've never I've done that video, but there's yeah I don't buy positive a couple times, but I w- I just felt like because while I was doing it, I was I knew. Like it was, like I said in the video, it was one of the most dangerous operations I've ever done on the table saw, and I wanted people to understand because when you're watching a fast forward, you don't appreciate that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I wanted to just sort of take a minute, it just really, especially because I was doing so many of them. And I said even in it, one of the things I'm doing is I'm taking a lot of breaks so I could stay focused and I don't lose focus. And that's what one of those that the whole monologue was. It was me taking a break from doing that and of reminding myself because I was about halfway through at the point. Is reminding myself of like, 
Like, this is, this is crazy stuff here. Like, this is, like, really dangerous. Like, I'm going to talk about it out loud for a while to scare myself while I go into the second <clears> half. Because <throat> I'm starting to get comfortable. Good. i got a good system now. It's time to remind myself not to get comfortable with this, you know. Right. Yeah, and so that's my, my latest video. It's um, about a tailgate. If you want to see it and listen to me rant about safety, go to youtube.com slash Timsway. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> um, okay, let's move forward because I think we're running a little bit long. Mm-hmm. Um, iTunes review review. There's one little one from the U.S. and then there's one from the U.K. Um one of you guys gets grab the, U- the U.S. I, one real quick. I'll get it. I have it right here. It's uh, five stars from Yoruba L, I guess is how I'm pronouncing it. And this is uh, July 3rd. Nice, uh, short and sweet, to the point. This awesome podcast with three great makers is my favorite. Well, thank you very much. You're my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have one that is not so short um, by Peter J. Miller. And it's called A Podcast of Joy and Laughter. Um, hi, Bill, Phil, and Tim. Bill, you might want to read this one out. Oh, he can't. Sorry. Uh, this podcast is brilliant. These three guys are always a pleasure to listen to and always have useful and helpful knowledge and tips. Each of the hosts in this motley menagerie of making magic add their own unique take on the world and making. Tim is the font of knowledge and experience and brings the professional maker point of view. Bill is the out-of-left-field, imaginative-thinking voice of years and of real-world experience and is hilarious. And Phil? Ah, well, hmm. Audio of a couple of finger clicks. Help me out here, Bill. I am sure he adds something, behind the scenes, obviously, but seriously, Phil brings the best point of view of the small maker, everyday person willing to ask the questions. I'm sure he already knows the answers, too. Learning from these two fantastic guys, bring, uh, bringing the useful, though probably unintended, skill of making them sound more intelligent. But seriously, listening to these three friends chat and riff on each other is a pleasure and privilege. Most importantly, though, having them impart their knowledge on the world and the joy that is making has helped me maintain my sense of humor and enjoyment of making during these difficult times. I want to thank all three of you, Bill especially, for bringing joy and laughter to a salty heart. Here's to many more episodes of joy, love, and laughter. Clearly, I am his favorite, so <laughs> glad I got to read that out. Well, I, I can just say we all three love, love that kind of feedback, so thank you. That was yes. amazing. Yes. Thank you, thank you very much. And um, we, yeah, do have, we do have a, um, a caller question to put in. Oh, so I, I've listened to it. It's it's quite amazing. This is going to be oh, probably wow. the better one. Something ones. else, yeah. Okay, so this is from this is from Simon Forget, and we'll put that in here. Um, wrong number. Okay, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Mm, yeah, thank you so much. Great. <laughs> it's that kind of effort to be interactive with the podcast that really makes yeah. us a joy. Yeah. It it makes me really not regret. Uh, I don't, did I come up with this? I don't remember. Who came up with this segment might idea? It might have been my fault, and I, I'll apologize. Yeah. But uh, that okay. was some great radio there, Simon, so thank you. <laughs> we love you, Simon. Thanks, man. Um, let's go to the weekly tip segment. Bill, did you say you had one? Yeah, so in, in my video, um, uh, one of the things I did, uh, this is something I've, I've done for a long time. Uh, you can blacken metal by heating it up and dipping it in oil. Now that's the blacksmiths will know why I don't know why I don't care why I just know it works I've done this for accessory pieces or accent pieces on things that I'm working on screw heads especially so if I want 
I think, you know, Jimmy built a table years ago, a coffee table, and he pounded in some big old uh, uh, all thread, and then he screwed, and then to do that, he actually has a chemical, and I've used it too, it's called Jax. It's a chemical you can just wipe on metal and it turns it black. Well, if you don't have that chemical, and again, you have a little motor oil, you heat it up with a torch, get it nice and hot, dip it in the oil, and it actually turns that to a black color. If you're, if you want to really experiment with it, there's different you can watch the different colors that that metal will change because it'll get like a, a tan or a golden and then a, a bluish and then a dark purple and then a black, I think. And so if you actually dip it in when it gets to a certain point, it'll kind of help it. But it really does a good job of turning stuff black. And it's just cool. Does, it, does it have to be motor oil? I don't know. I've only ever used motor oil. In fact, I've used used motor oil and it actually comes That's- out even better. That's what I've always heard is to use used. Yeah, well, the carbon, the metal from your engine is breaking down the carbon and all the metal and stuff is in that oil when it's all dirty and black, and that helps it is what I'm I'm assuming. I see. Mm. But you you don't need more. I bet you could use baby oil. I think it's just the process that the oil allows it to cool, not instantly, where it it cools it pretty quickly, but it's not like Mm -hmm. water where it's just it's just cool now. Right. It'd be interesting to try with, like, vegetable oil or something, too. Yeah, I would try with, like, canola or something. Yeah. Just because I don't really have access to motor oil. Like, I could buy, but then what do I do with it? You don't have motor oil in your house? Don't you have a lawnmower and, like, a car? You don't have a lawnmower? I have a car. I got rid of my lawnmower. Well, you you know, honestly, what you can do, Phil, seriously, go to an oil change place and ask them for a little cup of... Bring bring a Tupperware thing. I mean, if you ever wanted to do that, it's not... Right. Yeah. yeah oh, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm just saying, like, how do you dispose of motor oil, like, as a homeowner? The what same do you do place it? you go to get your car's oil changed. You drop it off there? Okay. Yeah, they get money for it. Anyways, they'll take, they'll take that's it. probably the best tip of this whole segment, FYI. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Get rid of your used motor oil. You're welcome. Uh, what grabbed your attention this week? Um, uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh you know, there's all sorts of turmoil and strife going on in the world, and we have all these problems we're trying to solve, and people are discussing, and uh, the one thing that sort of started me down a path that I've been on for the past decade or two uh, is not getting talked about a lot, and that is, you know, environmental issues and global climate change and whatnot, and there's a documentary on YouTube called Planet of the Humans that makes everything else that we're talking about everywhere all the time just feel like like, oh, come on, guys, we got to get over this and start dealing with the real problems. Like, like there's some real problems to deal with out there. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, yeah. hoping that, I'm hoping we can get our heads out of our butts at some point in time while we still have time, if we still have time. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty bleak. In here. It's pretty bleak. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think it's on Netflix also. I feel like I saw it. It might be. It was Michael Moore uh, produced it. He didn't do it, so if you hate Michael Moore, it's okay. He's not in it. Um, okay, but, go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, but... Uh, but it was like, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, we basically like in a nutshell, like we, you know, we see solar panels and we, and wind turbines and we feel like, oh, well, some good's happening. And it's just, you get, you start digging into it and it's the same people making money off it. It's all just a puppet show. It's just, it's just bleak. It's just bleak. Oh, so, okay. It's, it's worth watching and learning and, and reaffirming why we're trying to be at least in some small part environmental activists with what we do, you know. Gotcha. Bill, you go next. Well, after after Tim, that heartfelt, uh, actual making a difference type of thing, I'm going to recommend a show called Yellowstone, and it has Kevin Costner in it, and it's just amazing. So it's it's one of them. Hey, we're stuck at home, COVID nineteen. 
binge watch it. It's on uh, Prime, I think. I don't know. But if you can get a chance to watch a show called Yellowstone, it's about a rancher. The first season, the first couple of episodes, you think, oh, man, this rancher's a horrible, evil person and the whole idea of this. But, but then after a while, now it's like you're rooting for him and you understand it's seven generations. And it's just Kevin Costner, probably one of his better roles ever. It's, it's just really, really good. It is not for... Uh, little kids. It's 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 you know it's a it's an R-rated movie. It's an R-rated series. There's there's violence and blood and guts and stuff. But it's amazing. It's it's an amazing show. Highly recommended if you if you like Kevin Costner and cowboys and ranches in Montana or Wyoming or wherever the heck this takes place. You should watch it. Cool. Cool. Um, I caught on Netflix an older movie. Um, it's called Into the Wild with, oh, uh, yeah. with Emil Hirsch. Yeah. And uh, I'd never seen it before, and I don't know, just sort of, I was in bed and I was looking for something decent to watch, and this really caught me. Um, it's just the whole idea of, like, saying goodbye to everything and going on this I-can-do-it-alone thing, and uh, and it was a great flick, and I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, um, but it doesn't too in too nicely. But anyways, um, fantastic movie, and I just love the spirit of it. Yeah, I remember hearing about that before it was a movie, like the real story. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, oh, I should say, yeah. it's based on a true story. Because, uh, like, that's, I mean, I've ha- I have that that part of me that wants to do that. Yeah. It's a very big part of me, you know. And, it, yeah, it was it, very it, very good movie, very well put together, very honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. really. I, I want to do that, too, but basically, like, at that one weekend. campground up the street. <laughs> yeah. 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 My favorite book... Uh, from being a kid, is called My Side of the Mountain. Oh, yeah. And it's a, I remember that. You, you read it? Yeah. And this kid, is, he must have been 12, and uh, he's like one of 11 kids growing up in, in Brooklyn or whatever, and he basically runs away with his parents, I guess, approval or blessing, runs away to the Catskill Mountains, and he basically has to live off the land, and he mm. goes up there with like a pocket knife and string, and he creates a whole life for himself, and... The detail of it, it just it always takes me away, and I've read it probably ten times since I was a kid, and I love it. Yeah, uh, anyways, I should get that, that whole for spirit. Vince. I forgot about oh, that. That's book. an excellent. Yeah. Also, uh, in that, not in that style, but in, as far as like a book that you should read as a kid, that's very adult, but it's amazing. You'll remember it for the rest of your life. Where the red fern grows. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. I don't remember that one as much, but I remember the title. Kid's got a. Uh, he, he saves a couple of hunting hounds or something like that. I don't remember what kind, of, but it's a story about him and these two dogs, and mm. it's 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 very much like my side of the mountain. It's just it brings you into it. It's so vivid. You're turning the page. It's what a book is meant to do, right? And yeah. You turn those pages. You read it. It just everything. The smell, the countryside, the the brightness of the sun, the darkness of the the night. All that stuff mm. is so etched in your mind because the writer does such a great job of. Mm. Telling the story, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember my side of the mountain reading that. I remember saying it like in career day in like middle school. I mean, for years when people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said I wanted to be a hermit. Like that was, <laughs> like that was what you know. Yeah, <laughs> like that was all I wanted to do. You know. Yeah, it's it's a great fantasy yeah. like escapism. You know. Yeah. Um, our websites: WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, and NewPerspectivesMusic.com. 
Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. You can send us an email, either write it or record it on your voice app and send it to info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio. Um, on iTunes, leave us those reviews. We will read out any five-star review literally from any country on this planet. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio, the absolute best way to keep this show going. So on that note, thank you very much and have a fantastic week, guys. Bye, everybody. Yeah, except, except Belgium. <laughs>